Welcome to So Here's the Thing, where we share candid conversations that lift the veil on what it takes to find success, even if that means sharing a few unpopular opinions. I'm your host, Leili Amati. Grab some coffee or a cocktail, and let's get real. Hey friends, this is a super special, very exciting episode because it is the first time that I am having a roundtable discussion over on So Here's the Thing podcast, and I am joined by three incredible incredible, incredible women. Don Richardson, Natalie Frank, and Paige Griffith are all here to talk with us about something that is so needed right now. We need to be having these conversations, and we are talking all about the difference between inspiration and stealing in the creative community. And I know that sounds really harsh right off the bat, but let's keep it real. That is the world that we live in. So I'm excited to hear insight from each and every one of them. And before we dive into the topic and why I invited each of these women onto this podcast, very intentionally. I chose them for a specific reason each. I'm going to let them each introduce themselves and tell us why this topic is important to them. So I'm going to kick it over to Dawn first. Hey y'all, I'm Dawn Richardson and I am the owner of Dawn Elizabeth Studios and also Tech Savvy Creative. I am here today because I have recently experienced my entire photography website being used by another photographer on the other side of the country. So this topic is near and dear to my heart because I have lived it firsthand and gone through this whole process in my own shoes. And I'm Paige Griffith. I'm the owner and lead attorney behind the legal page. I help small business owners get legally legit. And obviously I'm super passionate about this because trademark infringement and copyright infringement is something that I deal with as an attorney day in and day out. And I want to ensure that everyone knows kind of the right way to do it and the wrong way to do it. And I'm Natalie Frank. I am one of the co-founders of the Rising Tide Society. And this topic is, you know, really important to me, just being a leader in a creative space and being sort of someone that champions community over competition. And we'll talk about that and how sometimes that can be misconstrued to mean something that it doesn't. And so we'll dive into that a little later. Thank you guys so much for being here. I am so thrilled to have just three different perspectives, four including my own, just to kind of talk about this and really be able to dive in and and dig deep into the differences here, into helping people within the creative community kind of go about things in the right way. Because at the end of the day, yes, there are always going to be malicious people out there, but there are also a lot of really good people who don't know that what they're doing is wrong. And those are the people that this episode I think is the most important for. Um, So I want to go ahead and, and dive in by talking with Natalie. I know that you've mentioned already that community over competition which is such a beautiful sentiment and such a beautiful kind of motto and mantra to live by. But I, I want to hear from you about how you feel. Um, do you ever feel like people are misusing that community tagline in the wrong way or to justify theft or plagiarism or stealing? And as a community leader, like how do you dissuade that? How do you get people to stop misusing something that you've worked so hard to develop? Mm. Gosh. Okay. Such a good question to kind of kick us off. So yes, I I do think that oftentimes when people hear about community over competition or they become a part of the rising tide and they join in these communities where we are sharing so openly and so freely with information and with knowledge, um, there can be sort of a, a lack of understanding between where that line of inspiration is and collaboration and connection and building upon ideas and making something your own and theft and actually taking something that is verbatim 
criticism, uh, something that someone else has said, or not crediting, not properly attributing, um, maybe a source of where you got information or where you came upon an idea. And, you know, it, it kind of, for me, goes back to actually the founding name of a rising tide uh, lifts all boats, that phrase by John F. Kennedy, not by me, clearly, as we talk about attribution, although one time I did w- show up to a conference and someone misquoted it to me. And I'm like, no, that it's a pretty famous saying there while we're on the subject. But the idea behind this is, is not just a fluffy concept that if we cheer one another on and we let things like theft slide, right? Which is, I think sometimes what people assume is, oh, community over competition. We don't call people out for doing the wrong thing, or we don't approach somebody when they make a mistake or when they take something that was ours or they, no, 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 no. Raising the tide actually means that we create strong business ethics, standards, and and create a playing field of healthy competition in which we understand the rules that we're all abiding by. And one of those rules is that we honor intellectual property and we honor one another's unique creativity and the work that's put into, let's say, a web website or a photo shoot or an about me page or, um, you know, a t-shirt design. I could go on and on and on, but the reality here is to raise the tide, to actually create a community that is equitable, that is supportive of the ideas of different people. We have to do a couple of things. One, um, we can't verbatim steal from others. Two, when we make a mistake and we do encroach upon someone else's intellectual property, and I, I love how you kick this off um, by saying there are folks out there that maybe have done this and didn't know that they they had. I've been in that boat in my career. I have on many occasions had a friend mention something to me and I was like, oh, that saying, I love that. Like, that's a great idea and would go and doodle it and or would say it as something and people would attribute it incorrectly and, um, you know, have had to really learn myself. Like, it is really really critical to honor um, where the sources of, of sayings are from, where the sources of creativity comes from, when it is verbatim or when it is you know, on that side, when we talk about inspiration to stealing, when it leans over one way or another. And so when it comes to the, the phrase community over competition, it doesn't mean overlooking these things. It actually means being really um, honorable and having integrity as we move forward in our businesses and supporting one another through honoring that intellectual property that one another works on by honoring um, the uniqueness of each creator and each business owner. Um, and I know Paige will probably touch on some of the legal ramifications of this, but just from a, a community perspective, from a moral perspective, it goes back to a simple statement. If we want to be business owners that believe in community above competition, then that means we have to operate from a place where we are respecting the work that one another are putting into their businesses and, and their creative endeavors, not taking it, not stealing it. Um, and again, when we make mistakes or we step over the line and we weren't aware of it, when we are made aware of it, it is critical. It is absolutely critical that we change course. It is absolutely critical that we respect, um, you know, the places where we've made mistakes that we amend, um, and and then we try to do better and we continue to do better. And so, I don't know. I hope lately that that answers the question. But I definitely agree that sometimes people hear community over competition and they think, well, isn't it free for all? We can all just, you know support each other beyond, no, this is a business. This is about raising the tide for each person and honoring that hard work that they've put into their business and not stealing from people. Oh, absolutely. That definitely answers the question. And I love that you brought up the fact of what to do if you do accidentally overstep, because I know, I mean, I honestly think there's probably not one person who has been established in their business who hasn't run into some form of plagiarism, some form of copying of somebody else 
crossing that line. I know I've sent several emails in my time, several letters asking people to take a harder look at what they've done. And I've gotten responses that are kind of all across the board. I think in general, people's defenses go up really fast and they want to defend their actions instead of actually taking a step back and being like, oh, I did draw inspiration, but that inspiration quickly turned into a full-on plagiarism situation. So with that being said, this is a perfect segue into hearing Dawn kind of like fill us in on the little, not little, but fill us in on the story that you have to share about plagiarism in in your life very recently. I really have to say, even before she tells the story, I was so blown away by the way that you handled it. You handled it with such grace, with such um, understanding and such calm and rational thinking. And I think that that is such a key that I want people to focus on when they listen to this story. Because for me, thinking about it, we are very emotionally attached to our work. We are creatives, we are artists, we are entrepreneurs, and we are very much like living and breathing our work. And so it's easy for both sides to get really emotional. And I think that the way that you handled it was just so beautiful. So I'll kick it over to you and let us let us in on all of your thought processes there. Thank you for that, Lily, because that that really means a lot to me. I know when I started going down this path, it was really important to me to pursue this with a mindset and my heart in the right place for community over competition. Um, as somebody who is a former rising tide leader, that's something I really wanted to embody. And how can I really encourage that and live that while also being stern and honoring my own business, like Natalie said. So thank you for that. That means a lot, but let me tell my story. <laughs> so on to that, I was having a normal day at work and I got an inquiry from a bride who had to cancel her wedding due to COVID. And she was planning a new wedding in July, next July, July 2021, which is not super unusual in today's world, hearing from somebody who has gone through some hardships with their wedding. And in typical inquiry fashion for me, I do look up who inquired with me. And the reason why I do that is not to be creepy, but I do like to see if I went to Texas Tech with this person or do we have some type of connection so that when I do meet them, like I can instantly connect and make that relationship with them. So I look her up and I can't find her on social media by her name. So I look up her email address and a wedding photography business on the other side of the U.S. pops up. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So I click on her profile and I click on her website and lo and behold, my entire website is her website. Um, I have a custom design with Grayson Gold spent many months building my website from the ground up as well as copy and brand and nearly everything but the photos and the logo were mine. All the copy, everything, the process, the layout, so I had to kind of take a step back for a minute because like you said, like you react very emotionally and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is mine. Like <laughs> I got very defensive and I sent it to Laylee. I sent it to a few other people to make sure that I was like not being overcritical of this person. So what I did from there, I dug around and I started researching because I had never experienced that firsthand, especially to that scale where everything was an exact replica. So I did some research and what I learned, and I'm really excited to hear Paige speak on this because I want to know if I did the right thing, um, is really focus on documenting and getting it all handled. So what I did was I screenshotted every single page of her website as well as every single page of my website. 
Um, in that process, I did side-by-side screenshots so I can show exactly the pieces that were replicated and I saved those in a nice safe place. (laughs) From that point, I did some more research and this is kind of the tech savvy creative side of me that I'm really excited about, but there's something called a web archive out there. And there's essentially this website that crawls the internet on its own and it takes archives of web pages. So if you go to this website, you can see what your website looked like in like 2014, which is really, really crazy. And also embarrassing. <laughs> Lately just made a face. It's very true. <laughs> but you can see what the internet looked like on different dates. And what I did was I forced a crawl of both my website and her website to make sure that if she said like, oh, those were Photoshopped or if there was some false accusation, I had another point of reference to point to that was uh, quote unquote permanent. So archive.org is the place to go if you ever want to archive your website. And at that point, I was cooled down a little bit and like, okay, let's do this. I could A go straight for legal action first right away, or B, I could contact her and see, and then pursue action from there if I needed to. My goal was never to sue her and try to get money for her using my stuff. It was simply, I invested a lot of money in what I built and what I created for my business. And she had, you know, essentially taken it. And I didn't feel good about that, not only for me, but out of respect for the people who designed and created my website and all the hard work that they put in. And they're essentially somebody's using it for free. So I took some time and I sat down and I wrote her an email. I explained to her how I found her website and that I found it through the email she inquired with me. (laughs) And then I sent her links to all of the screenshots side by side. And there were about 25 of them in this email. And then from there, I did let her know in 72 hours, if I don't see this down, I will pursue further action. And I will tell you, she responded to me in like, three minutes. It was very fast. And she was very apologetic. She was, she said she was embarrassed. She had claimed that she was using my website as filler content, which is a different discussion, but it was pulled down within an hour or two. So I did not have to pursue anything. Um, but it was definitely a concern of mine. Like what happens if I do have to pursue it? What do I do from there? Moving forward, I did respond to her and I was, you know, I suggested like, here are some of my favorite website designers. If you're looking for something, this is who I used and explained to her again, trying to focus on what was important to me, which is that community aspect. We all start somewhere and it's intimidating. And especially in our world of comparison right now, where you feel like you have to be somewhere when you're just getting started. This is where we all start and it's okay to feel that way. Here are some amazing resources that can help you get there on your own brand. And it was a very civil and nice conversation. Um, You know, going back to what Natalie said about, you know, kind of having grace and like admitting it when you know you're wrong. She definitely did that to the extent that she could. So that was pretty much the end of that. And I haven't had to pursue anything since then, but it was definitely an eye-opening situation because I know um, a lot of other creatives encounter this every single day. And what can we do from our side, from a technology side uh, to protect our businesses as well as, you know, being that resource and that, that voice that you want to be in the industry. That is 
first of all, your heart is incredible. I, I can very strongly say that I would not have had the exact same response as you. Um, and I'm okay with acknowledging that in myself, I'm very self-aware. I probably would have been a lot, a lot less understanding. However, I really do admire and appreciate the way that you handled it. And I, I would hope that given that same situation that we could all proceed with the same civility. I think you went above and beyond in providing resources and providing education, but that is why you're an amazing leader inside your community and an, an amazing educator as well. So thank you so much for sharing that. And, and I'm so excited to hear from, from Paige now, Paige Griffith of The Legal Page. If you haven't heard of her, obviously go check her out. She's amazing. But I, I really want to know, like in these situations, what else would you have a small business owner do? Obviously in this particular instance with Dawn's situation, you kind of had like a worst case scenario of somebody stealing everything and then a best case scenario of them immediately taking responsibility and immediately working to rectify that uh, transgression. So what would you do in the case that like it didn't go so smoothly, you know, like what are people's options here? Oh, I love this question. So I'm excited to get into it. Uh, first and foremost, I think I got to take a few steps back here and I want to get everyone in the frame of mind of like what legally is actually happening, right? Cause we're like, okay, they're being copycats. Something's going on, but where am I at in the legal world? So this is called copyright infringement. And it's a little different from trademark infringement. It's actually a lot different from trademark infringement. And, it, you know, we can dive into that a little bit in this episode too, because Natalie community over competition is a trademarked phrase. Um, so that's a little bit different than a copyrighted work, which is a website, like the actual copy and imagery and all the design elements on a website, that would be a copyright infringement issue. Uh, and then Natalie would probably add on top of that in terms of, you know, if community over competition is used in various graphics or, you know, pictures or things along those lines on, you know, who knows what website, if, you know, Rising Tide Society, Honeybuck, and then anything that Natalie creates as well. Um, I know I already researched her trademark and she um, has it on obviously all kinds of tangible goods as well, like clothing and things that she sells. So that is diff just two very different things. So generally speaking, let's just talk about copyright infringement here. And that occurs when a copyrighted work is reproduced, distributed, performed, publicly displayed, or made into a derivative work without permission of the copyright owner. Not just attribution here, like you have to get express written permission in most cases. Okay, now people are probably like, Paige, what's a copyrighted work? <laughs> I understand. <laughs> Lots of backpedaling here. Uh, so a copyrighted work is original works of authorship that are made in some tangible medium. And of course, we we all we always say like it doesn't have to be like you can physically touch it. They can be online too. So a graphic is still a tangible medium. It's basically like you can't copyright ideas. Those ideas have to be some type of like in a fixed medium, whether it's like you're holding it or it's online um, and people can see it. And a res any type of original work of authorship can be literary, dramatic works. We oftentimes think like books are copyrighted, right? We learned that in elementary school with a little copyright symbol. Um, but artistic works is what we are all talking about here in the creative world. And those are copyrighted works. 
And you immediately own copyright ownership to whatever you create the minute you create it. So when you click the shutter on your camera, you own, you are the copyright owner of whatever you composed in that tangible medium that goes onto your memory card. And same with Dawn, with her website, like every image has its own copyright, but then the website as a whole would have its own copyright. Just I know this is a lot. I just, before I get into this question, I have to tell people kind of where we're at in legal world. Uh, trademarks are kind of the phrase or brand name um, is an, it's another type of intellectual property. And people often get these time types of, you know, IP confused, which is why I just want to like clearly delineate them here. Uh, any type of like sign, logo, expression, or brand name would be a trademark. And what trademarks do is they identify the products or services are coming from X company. So Natalie owns Community Over Competition, which is from Natalie Frank's business. Uh, the legal page is trademarked and you know, I have the goodwill behind the legal page brand. So my, you know, my business owns that uh, trademark. So copyright infringement, you have to have a copyrighted work for one. So people may be copycats and maybe stealing things. And I know we're going to get into the nuances of like inspiration versus stealing here. Um, but if someone has gone, you know, from inspiration phase to stealing phase, we have copyright infringement. And we, we can't like what Dawn was saying was she kind of has the beginning stages of copyright infringement that she's trying to settle on her own. And most people that are listening to this podcast episode are in that stage. You know, you're, you're always trying to do steps yourself without getting into the legal world, having to hire an attorney, you know, you're bleeding out money. It's very, very expensive, but I wanted to go over to prove copyright infringement. You have to have four elements and it's important that every understand these because lately that will help me answer your question. I know this is long-winded, um, but you have to prove that you have ownership over a legitimate copyrighted work. That is uh, the first thing that you have to prove. Um, I'm talking about the elements here. Again, it, this don't worry about legal mumbo jumbo. Just remember four elements. Number one, you have to own it. Number two, the infringing party or the copycat that we're talking about here obviously had to have access to that copyrighted work. So for Don, you know, of course they did. They found the website. Uh, number three, that then that infringing party or copycat had the opportunity to steal the work. Those two are usually pretty easy to prove. Um, and then number four is you have to prove that the protected elements of the original copyrighted work have been copied. And that was what Dawn was doing with her little, you know, like trying to build evidence, trying to make sure that, you know, she had a background of what was going on. So that's really important in the step-by-step -step process that Laylee was talking about. But the, so now to answer your question, what should people do? Obviously the first element is you have to establish that you are the owner of a legitimate copyrighted work. So what people often forget to do is to go to you, the U.S. Copyright Office online and you can do it yourself. And people aren't like copywriting things. Like you obviously own the copyright to something, but has it been officially registered with the U.S. Copyright Office? No, not until you do it. 
So you need to just go there. You guys, it's like $45 to $65, depending on the work that you're trying to copyright. And if you're going to have an issue with someone, the first thing you need to establish is you're, that you're the legit owner of it. Um, so just go do that. It's pretty easy. There's you guys, there's like YouTube videos out there. There's all kinds of things to help you do this DIY yourself, please. You can do it yourself. I promise. So that would be step one. Uh, and then of course the steps lately are trying to do this yourself without getting an attorney involved. My next step was take screenshots of your website, their website. I love this archive.org. That's beautiful. Then you can establish a timeline of when things were occurring versus like if somebody contacted you through a contact form and started stealing maybe PDFs and downloadable materials that you have. Um, and then of course you want to step three is once you have all of that evidence and proof, so to speak in hand, that's when you contact them, but don't contact them before you do those other two steps I just talked about. Uh, and you can, usually, you know, who the copycat is. If you have a question regarding who is the site owner, you can always just do a, who is search on the domain registrar. And that's really easy too. So lately I'll make sure to like include this for you in notes and everyone can go look at this is who is, would be, uh, the person who owns the actual website on the domain registrar. The second thing that I would do. And I'm just going to quickly go through these steps and we can flush them out later if we need to. But the, the second thing would be if, if that doesn't work in Dawn's case, it works. She contacted them. She's working through that process. It's, you know, there's many layers to that process there once you contact the site owner, but then if, you know, people are starting to get frustrated, they're starting to think this is more of a, a legal action or claim or situation is when that does nothing happens. They contact them, they're either ghosted, they haven't heard anything from them, or the people are like, no, I didn't do this. I'm not helping you at all. Then you can contact actually the server host of a website if we're just talking about website um, infringement here. And so you can do that uh, the same way through a domain registrar. And the net name under domain registrar is the actual server host. And usually if you have established copyright ownership through the US Copyright Office, and you have evidential proof that they actually did copy what you had, uh, the servo host will probably take that down ASAP. It's basically like kind of sending a cease and desist letter to the server host, but it's like one step further than contacting the site owner. Um, and then after that, I'm sure many of you have heard of DMCA takedowns. That's the D Digital Millennial Copyright Act. Uh, it's basically for internet takedowns. You can kind of go to this third party, dmca.com, and they can initiate that process for you through the server host. But I want people to know you can actually contact the server host yourself. Um, and then finally, Lily, I know this, this was a long answer, but for people listening, you know, after all of those steps have been completed, and if you truly feel like you've been damaged in some way, um, this, you know, this process took so long, maybe, you know, the takedown of the websites or the servers just didn't, it, you know, it didn't occur for six months, eight months, and they've stolen clients from you, so on and so forth, then you're probably looking at litigation and some type of cease and desist letter being sent from an attorney. Oh my gosh, that was so helpful. I know it was a ton of content, but like in the best way, I'm sure our listeners are like scribbling stuff down. And just so everybody knows, we will put in all of these notes at so here's the thing podcast.com. You can go check out the show notes there and there will be links and 
outlines and all the things because this was gold. And I learned so much in these few minutes. Um, I had no idea that you could you could contact on your own the um, the server. That's insane and so cool. Um, okay, so I love that. And I think you actually answered a couple questions that I had planned for later. So that was awesome. But I would love to hear from you guys as a whole. The question I have for all of you is where do you draw the line between inspiration and stealing? And then how do we as a creative community come together to kind of combat this normalized trend of taking inspiration and taking it too far and, and entering the realm of plagiarism or copyright infringement? I don't know about you guys, and I'm sure this is going to ruffle some feathers. I'm absolutely sure about it. But I have a lot of friends in the creative industry who complain about their work being quote unquote copied when really, if you look at it from an impartial, like outside view, their work isn't being copied. Like it's, it's things that are generic. Like, you know, you didn't invent Google. Like I don't understand, you know, there's a lot of people out there who feel like their stuff is being stolen, but really it's just like, oh, this is a trend in the community. Everybody's doing it. You didn't invent it. You probably took it from somebody else. And that's why I think this line gets so murky. I would just love to hear from you guys. Like, how do you feel that we can better communicate that line between drawing inspiration and truly like theft and stealing? So actually I'll kick it off with a quote and I might butcher the quote, apologies, Jeff Goins, but um, Jeff Goins has a quote where he says, you know, nothing is original. And he talks about how as an artist, as a creative, as a writer, his job is not to strive to be original, but instead to strive to be honest. And that always resonated with me because I think lately what you're kind of alluding to, and I've heard it too, um, is that sometimes we can, we can think that um, an idea that we've come up with or a creative uh, sort of higher level concept that we're pursuing is unique to us and us alone. But the reality is with the billions of people on the planet and the sort of collective conversations that we're having at any given time, it never surprises me that I can see two friends having similar thoughts or similar conversations at the exact same moment in time because they're consuming the same type of content around the same time. And, you know, it, it, this happens, this does happen. So how do we differentiate not only what is inspiration and stealing, but how do we also start to identify, um, you know, like Paige was alluding to, like what is truly ours in a sense that it should not be taken by someone else? And what is perhaps our take on something that's more thematic or more broad or um, sort of an underlying idea or concept? And, you know, for, in for instance, I actually, you know, in the photography world, which is where I come from, and I know um, Laylee and Don, you both do as well. I remember when veil photos, photos where they would take the veil and throw the veil or take the veil and wrap the veil or take the veil and, you know, create art with it. For a while, I remember conversations around that where people are saying, well, that was my idea. And now so-and-so down the street is doing the same veil photo. And so again, we get into this conversation where it's like, no, actually that's inspired. Um, people using the veil as a creative form of, you know, foreground blur or um, leading lines to your subject that's been done far before, um, you know, even the digital space existed. That's something that's always sort of been around in studios for, for as long as, you know, wedding photography or bridal portraits have, have been around. Um, so that is, is sort of building upon and getting creative and being inspired by a technique. Um, whereas what Don was really talking about, that's very blatant. That's, you know, um, dare I say potentially intentional. Yeah. Whether or not someone knew um, that it was, as wrong as it is might be up for debate. Um, as you're getting started, all of us kind of start from that place of how do I begin? And I feel, I almost feel like at one point, I think it might've been with you, Paige, we were talking about in a different webinar, a different time about 
you know, having, having a contract and not just taking a contract from somebody else and using it as your own without actually having an attorney look at it or actually working with an attorney like the legal page to get a contract that is ironclad. Um, that is, that's stealing. If you rip somebody's contract and just start using it without permission, um, that, that is stealing, right? That's not inspiration. That's, that's straight up stealing. So look, I think, I think that line at times can be ambiguous and can kind of feel gray. I understand that. I do. Um, but I do think that it is something where we have to be willing to have that dialogue and we have to be willing to um, be direct and honest when we recognize that the line has been crossed so that we can um, move forward just as Don did and just as Paige kind of illustrated. So I hope those points kind of illuminate maybe the difference there. But um, I really like lately how you kicked it off because I do hear a lot, oh, that person stole my idea. And I'm like, really, did they? Because I don't know if you were the first person to say that or do that. I've actually seen that for quite a while. It's a hard combo to have, but I think it's an important one. Yeah, I definitely think, I mean, it's one of those things where, like I said in the beginning about emotions running high when we're so committed and so we're, we're, you know, eat, breathe and sleep our work. And so we really do get emotionally attached to our ideas and it, it's really hard to take yourself out of that equation. But, um, I do think like for me, that's a really great action step is to just say, okay, if this wasn't me, if this was just a stranger who had this idea and then this other stranger is doing this other thing, is it truly copying or is it just, you know, a kind of natural progression? Yeah. So what Natalie is talking about here, this is Paige. Um, I, it's called fair use. So it's a doctrine in, well, sort of. Okay. Um, so, you know, Natalie is saying, is it inspiration? You know, is it stealing? Stealing equals like we're kind of in copyright infringement land. Um, but you have to have something to infringe upon. So that's what Natalie was saying. Like an idea isn't even copyrightable. So there's nothing, you don't, even hold any intellectual property that anyone could steal, even though it feels wrong. And it, you may think that you had the idea first, you have to do something with that idea. I always tell people like, you got to act and do and put it somewhere on paper or online or in a graphic before there's ever stealing. Like, I'm sorry, everyone has ideas. And like Natalie said, you may be like in the same room at the same workshop. Cool. It's kind of like, first come first serve who puts that down and who gets, you know, the job done first. And then I just quickly wanted to add in like fair use here for like social media purposes too. Cause I'm sure some of you have that roaming around in your head, like, okay, not copying a website. I totally get it. Like I own it. It's copyrightable. You know, I've put in all the work, all the imagery, all the copy. Uh, but social media is like this totally different animal. And graphics are like very hard to say or show that you like actually own the copyrighted work. Like how much have you changed it on Canva to make it super, super original? Like, can you backtrack that no one else ever had this idea and put it in tangible form? Um, and then copyright fair use is this doctrine in the law that permits you to use limited forms of a copyrighted work or material without having to get their permission to begin with. You can just use it. That's why people use excerpts of books to share. Um, and that's how people will take like one little thing that you've done online and be able to just like publish it and make it go viral. Um, and you know, so on, some people think when they go viral that they should have been interpreted in all these things. And, um, and then I just wanted to add in here for you guys and thinking about this 
this as you go on. The difference between the commercial, like for profit use of somebody's copyrighted material versus educational uses. Because if lots of people are doing it, if you're just educating others, there's no profit gain there. You're not diluting, you know, the ownership of that copyrighted work whatsoever. It's really, it's probably more heavily weighted towards fair use category than you actually having some type of copyright infringement issue. That's so helpful. I feel like I, I just love that you are able to give this insight here, aside from just like the opinions of, of us business owners, but having actual like tangible tactical professional advice. That's amazing. Look, and I, I think if anyone listening to this is a Gen Zer or a millennial who somehow got stuck on TikTok and isn't really sure how, um, this is one of the really fascinating and beautiful things. I love it. Dawn, just raise your hand here. Um, beautiful and fascinating things about TikTok that I immediately noticed. Um, whereas let's compare it with a platform like Pinterest. So a platform like Pinterest, you are actually taking an exact image that someone else has created and pinning it to your board, right? What's really cool about TikTok is it is built to enable you to build upon the ideas of other people, whether it is actually, you know, responding to somebody else's video and they'll do it side by side, whether it is taking a theme and making it your own. I've seen that done countless times on TikTok, whether it's a song that becomes sort of a meme of sorts, but people do it, you know, with their unique perspective for their unique industry. I've seen the same concepts done between business owners and in my infertility algorithm that I get stuck into, they'll, they'll use the same song for the same reason, but talk about it in a totally different subject. And I love it because that is inspiration. At its core, what that is, is it's saying we as a collective human species can latch onto something and better it and improve it and innovate on it or use it to teach or to educate in a different way in our unique realm, in our unique way, through our unique voice, right? Um, and that's not copying so much as that is truly building upon a concept and ultimately feeling inspired by it. I feel like TikTok in a lot of ways really demonstrates that. And I've seen that constantly on the platform and I'm constantly inspired by how innovative people are on TikTok. We'll take something that was a sports meme or, um, you know, like a, talking about the person they fell in love with and then they'll turn it into talking about their cat. And then in the next story, it's about falling in love with their job. And it could literally be the same song with the same kind of format and feel, but it's very, very unique, the dancing and pointing. Yes. So I, I think that, that that really is something to think about. And I want to take a second too, to really honor the way Dawn responded when she found that she had been um, stolen from. Because I do think that as, as leaders in our community, as we continue to grow in our businesses, as we um, you know, set out to, as Simon Sinek says, be the leaders we wish we had, um, as we start to take those steps in becoming bigger, better versions of the person we were on day one, I, I think it's important to also remember that we have an opportunity to build or break someone in all that we do. And this is a moment where Dawn actually built someone right? She built someone up. She had the right to go to an attorney, to take this person down, to threaten legal action, to pursue legal action, perhaps according to Paige, could be a possible route um, that Dawn could have taken. But instead what she did is she stood by her business. She wasn't, you know, falsely humble and said that it was okay. No, no, no. She held strong ethics and said, this is not okay. 
but she didn't break somebody down in the process of building herself up. She was very much informative, educational, and kind. She extended grace, again, even in a situation where many others wouldn't have. Um, and I, I just want to highlight that as we navigate these conversations outside the scope of this podcast episode. You know, when you face an instance where somebody has stolen from you, or when you get into that uncomfortable territory where you feel like someone's encroaching and the inspiration is just starting to cross a line. I really want to encourage all of us, whether we're on the receiving end of that feedback or we are the one giving it, to just continue to build one another up, to be firm in what is right and what is wrong, but to do it in a way that doesn't tear somebody down unnecessarily. And I love that Dawn approached her first, um, you know, gave her an opportunity to do the right thing. And when she did take down the website, Dawn extended far beyond anyone's expectations of kindness and grace and education. And I just would love to see more of that in this world. I think that's sort of a radical form of kindness that um, ultimately is going to really better that business owner on the receiving end of that feedback. And hopefully she'll pass that along in the future should that ever happen to her. So I experience the inspiration over stealing conflict a lot, especially in the photography world. I know we talked about that and we talked about the veil shots and things like that. Um, coming at it from another perspective, because you're totally right. Like I've seen so many other photographers get very upset and worked up over this. One thing that really helped me is shifting my own mindset in if I have a bride that goes to another photographer, or if there is a bride that goes to another photographer and uses one of my photos as inspiration, that's an honor to me. Like I, I want that because here's the deal. Like I can't photograph every single wedding in San Antonio, nor do I want to. And if I'm creating works that inspire others that make, um, other ven venues and vendors shine, like I'm doing my job well. And that's something that when I first started in this industry that I didn't understand. And over time, I, really came to realize that. And not only did it free me from this emotional weight that I was carrying from that frustration and that stress that it was causing, but it really shifted my heart to focusing on creating amazing work that inspires others. And then my couples get these amazing photos, right? So this is a totally different end of this conversation here, but I do think it's something important to remember, especially in a industry where mental health is so important and it is something that we all struggle with being so isolated and being so close to our work every single day. I love that perspective so much, Don. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I think it is um, just as important, if not more important than anything else we've talked about today. So I really appreciate that. And I, I really did also want to add in for my creatives out there who are like not necessarily able to resonate so much with the photography side of things that we've been chatting about. I know we are all for former or current photographers on this call. However, as someone who works with educators now, first and foremost, that's what I do day in and day out one of the most common questions I get from my coaching students, up and coming educators is, well, this person already taught about this, or this person already put out a course about this, and I don't want to copy this person. And I, I just wanted to, again, harp on the fact of what Natalie said, which is she quoted someone saying, you know, that nothing is original. I mean, think about what we learned in school. You were not the first person to teach mathematics. Like it's all about how you teach what you teach. What is the unique voice or the unique property that you can bring to your education? What is the unique thing that you can bring to your art, to your services, to your one-on-one -on -one services? So 
no matter what niche industry you're in within the creative industry, just know that it's, it's not about having to do things first or beat somebody to the punch. It's really about like, what is unique about what you're doing and how can you make sure that you are not unintentionally stealing somebody's content? Those are two very different things and it is a fine line to walk, but it's so important to be wary of. Thank you so much for that. That, that like means the world. And I know when I was going through this process, one thing I really struggled with was the worst case scenario. What if she fought back and it paralyzed me for a little while. So I really hope that this story and sharing this encourages everybody to take the path of, you know, positive intent as hard as it is. And as fearful as it can be that this is not going to go well, it did work in the situation. And I hope that everybody listening to this takes that route first and then moves on from there because like we said, you know, we need more kindness. We need more encouragement. And I hope everybody finds the ability to do that too. So thank you for that. Love that. And I, I mean, definitely it's so worth going that route. And then knowing that like Paige said, you know, you have ways to approach if it doesn't go well. I think so many times it's, it's from a place of fear that you wouldn't take the route of kindness first, but if it doesn't work, it's okay. You have, you have the next steps available that Paige laid out for us so nicely and neatly there. Um, and you know, there's a lot of different ways you can take. So I knew this was a longer episode than we normally have, but I thought it was so important. I loved this conversation. I'm so thankful. Thank all three of you so much for joining me for this conversation. You guys are incredible. For show notes and resources mentioned on today's episode, head to so here's the thing podcast.com. And if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd love to read your review on iTunes. Thanks so much for listening and I'll catch you in the next episode.